So again, we're taking a really fun pivot on this episode. We are bringing you an NFL superstar, Rod Woodson, NFL Hall of Famer, one of the top 100 NFL players of all time. He uh, bleeds black and gold, won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. He's just a he's faith, family, and humility are the things that I think of for, for Rod Woodson. And this is a really special episode, lots of fun. He talks some orthopedic issues for his ACL tear, but he still got to the Super Bowl as well as his long-term play with osteoarthritis of his opposite knee. Super fun episode. I know you're going to love it. So what happens when you come on the Pitch Pro from the Ortho Show? Well, you can ask Kevin Rocco from BioRes. Three weeks later after coming on our show, he's FDA cleared for his device. And next thing you know, he's at the AOSSM Anna meeting with us in Nashville, and he wins the ACE Innovative Medical Device Award. That's what we're talking about. Matthew Ray Scott, Vin Dasa, Joe Mullings in the fro, checking out what you bring to the show. We give you analysis. We break it down. We give you advice. Who's up next? The Pitch Pro from the Ortho Show podcast. From Medical Media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, it's Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of The Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic world. We're going to pivot a little bit today. I am super excited to bring an absolute NFL superstar, Rod Woodson, who is arguably one of the greatest defensive backs of all time to ever wear a uniform in the NFL. He was a defensive player of the year, Super Bowl winner, NFL Hall of Famer, of course, uh, first round and member of the top 100 NFL players of all time. He's my friend. He is Rod Woodson. Rod, it is great to have you on the show. Doc, man, I, I am honored that you had me on. Uh, you're my favorite doc, and I think you have the best hair out of all doctors I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I had hashtag follow the pro. I appreciate you so much. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, so, so yeah, but so what we do here is we like to just sort of talk about the history of you know where people come from and all. And it looks like you're an Indiana born and bred kind of guy from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Tell us about your early days as you were, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a track star, uh, as well as a football player. So give us your story. I mean, you know, my history is, you know, born and raised Fort Wayne, as you said, uh, to a biracial family. Mother was uh, descendant of German. Her maiden name is Dorflin. So that can tell you she is absolutely 100% German. My father was African-American from uh, Gallatin, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville. Um, grew up with two brothers. I'm the youngest of three. So I think I'm the toughest of the three because I got beat up the most. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's what helped me in sports uh, get through it. And, you know, honestly, I started playing sports because my brothers played. I mean, they, they, we swam first. That's the first thing we did. We swam competitive for, gosh, we probably did it for about six years. My oldest brother kept doing it all the way through high school and college. Um, and then I left that and went to AU track when I was around 13, 14 years old, realized I was kind of fast. Um, we, my, we used to race each other from the telephone pole on Reynolds Street in Fort Wayne, Indiana to telephone pole. So it was probably a good 75, 85 yards. And he's about four years. He's four years older than me. 
and I could never beat him. And when I turned 12 years old, we raced, I beat him. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm kind of fast now. Yeah, I'm like, I think I'm going to try this track thing. So I started running track um, and, you know, fell in love with sports, had a great youth football coach who made it fun, fun for me. It wasn't about winning games. It's about having a lot of fun out there. And that's really what sports should be for the youth out there in our country. No, it's great that you actually, you did multiple sports, right? I mean, so often now in these days, we have these parents that are hyper vigilant about getting their kids into one sport early on and that's all they do. And, uh, you know, swim is such a, you know, one of my youngest is a swimmer and it's, a, it's kind of frustrating as a parent, right? You sit there for hours at a meet, your kid's in the pool for maybe five minutes and you're hoping they're in the pool for less because <laughs> right. times could be better. But no, I think that's great that you were doing multiple sports now. I mean, you, you were not just fast. I mean, you know, you were really fast. Didn't you have a, wasn't there potential for the Olympics or the U S national team? Yeah. So, you know, going back to, you know, ran track my whole life, ran uh, in high school, won the big tens and the hurdles uh, for all my full indoor uh, for four straight years at Purdue uh, big 10 titles. Um, then I left in 87. So remember in 87, we had a holdout. Um, in 87. And then that's when the, the scabs or replacement players came in. Sure. I went to LA and ran for LA track club, had a really good coach named Chuck Vibus. Um, this really taught me how to hurdle, taught me about the rhythm of the race. And then I had the fourth fastest time in the world that year. Um, but I love, I love track because it was an individualized sport, even though it was a team concept, but I love football because, you know, it's, 53 guys in a locker room, you know, where do you else do you get that? You don't get it anywhere else. Um, so, you know, my first love came to, came to play after I got done, I signed the contract. And, but once I signed that contract professionally back in 1987, I could not get my amateur status back in track and field. So that was the, the one thing I always kind of disliked and I kind of regret that I didn't keep pursuing track and field, um, you know, cause that was my first love. Yeah. So, but uh, sure enough, 1987, Chuck Knoll, one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NFL, drafts you in the first round. And uh, I guess it's pretty hard to say no to that. It, well, I mean, you can't say no to the people who draft you. I mean, I guess you can. It did happen with the Mannings, but that's another story. No, um, yeah, but, it, but you were going to play football at that point. I was right? going to play football. Listen, I love the Steelers. Um, I didn't talk to the Steelers leading up to the draft. Um, they didn't think I was going to be there, but I'm glad they picked me. And I really think it was destiny, Doc, to be honest, because my high school team, so look at my colors. My colors are the same exact colors as the Steelers. Our uniforms were identical to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yellow pants, black stripe, black helmet, stripe in the middle, exactly like the Steelers. Then I go to Purdue. It's black and it's the old gold, but it's still black and gold. So for <laughs> You know, for 18 years of my life, I've been wearing black and gold. So those are my favorite colors. Matter of fact, the, the room I'm in right now is black and gold. So. <laughs> so so clearly, you know, black and gold was your destiny. And here you are. You have the opportunity now to play with, you know, one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NFL. And uh, what was it like playing for Coach Noel? Uh, I mean, Chuck was kind of a no-nonsense guy. Uh, I heard he was a little bit meaner when he was younger. Um, so I, you know, I got him on his last five years. Um, so he kind of meddled out. But the one thing I really enjoyed about him is that he always gave us tidbits about life, right? He, he used to tell us all the times, guys, you got to get on with your life's work. And, you know, obviously at my rookie year, 
really the first four years, I wasn't really thinking about getting on my life. I'm 21, 22, 23 years old. I just got out of Purdue. I got a great job playing a game that I get paid well for. So I wasn't really thinking about my future. And then we got another great coach and Bill Cower came in after him. And Bill was straight, straight ball, 100% football. He didn't talk about life. He didn't talk about anything else. He didn't talk about family. He was talking about football. <laughs> and then once that happened, and I'm like, I didn't hear that saying, those different, you know, different things from, from Coach Noel. Um, that's nice. It kind of clicked in. Like, you know what? I, I know what he's saying. And then I got, you know, I, I had Tony Dungy as my defense coordinator, my, my defensive back coach. But then when Dick LeBeau came in after him and Dick used to tell us his stories about when he was playing ball in the sixties and seventies, and then they had to work in the off season to make ends meet. And that's when I really start realizing what Chuck Noel was talking about. You know, he, he's talking like this doesn't last that long, you know? So if I, and I played 17 years, doc. Yeah. I got done. I was 37 ish. You know, I got the rest of my life. So, and that's what he was saying. Get on with your life's work early enough where you know your passion. What what amazing coaches that you had, right? I mean, it's just legends of the game at this point right now that were on the field with you. How awesome is that? Listen, my 10 years in, in Pittsburgh at Chuck Knoll, mean Joe Green was our deep with the line coach. So he wasn't my coach, but I get I I got to be around Teddy Bear Green. And I don't even say Teddy Bear Green when I'm about 10 feet away from him, <laughs> I don't want him to grab me. Um, but, you know, I got to be around him, got to be around Tony. Um, you know, those guys left and a guy named Rod Russ came in and he was kind of the guy who, you know, most people in the football world know that name. Um, but he was the guy that kind of split the switch in my brain, talking mental to physical. Cause Chuck No used to tell me all the time, this game is not about physicality or about being, capable having a set of tools because everybody has a set of tools everybody has some type of physicality some you know somebody's quicker somebody bigger somebody stronger the best players play the game two to one mental to physical and I didn't understand what he was saying until Rod got there so that was after that was my third year Rod was there for two years with me and Rod was the one that challenged me to learn the game more mental to physical and you know, when Chuck told me year one, he said it year two, he said it year three to me. And I'm like, ah, yeah, whatever. And then Rod cussed me out <laughs> in our in our walkthrough and challenged me to learn the game. And then he really taught me how to study film. I mean, that was amazing. And then after that, you know, Chuck Noel retires, those guys all leave. And then I get Dom Capers, Bill Cower, and Dick LeBeau, who Dick LeBeau is the, you know, one of the best human beings that you could ever meet. Great player, but tremendous coach. And matter of fact, the Steelers still run their defense. I mean, the defense that he put together, that's what they still run. That's so, amazing. You know, 10 years of just, you know, being inundated with knowledge in Pittsburgh was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And so, I mean, this is an orthopedic show, so we're going to bring a little orthopedics in here. So, so 1995 comes along. And, uh, you, you know, you, the three letters that no NFL player ever wants to hear after an injury is ACL. And sure enough, you, you tore your ACL and you've got to tell this story. Cause I, you know, in this day and age of, 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 uh, you know, disability and all the things that happened and how they can manipulate the rosters. I mean, I think your story about how this ACL evolved and, and then with the Super Bowl, you just got to tell it from beginning to end. Cause I love hearing it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we played the Detroit Lions uh, opening game, 10th play of the game. And stupid me, Doc, you know, I did go to college, but I didn't go to all my classes all the time. So I didn't learn what I should have learned. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I wore brand new shoes on an old turf field, which you never do. That's like a no-no. Everybody knows whoever played on the AstroTurf. No, you don't wear brand new shoes on turf. And I did that. Um, and Barry Sanders, of all people, comes out to the right side. He plants, comes back in. I put my foot in the ground. And my shoe and my foot stays straight and my knee turns and I just feel this pop. I jumped off the leg. It was too late. You know, I walked to the sideline. Um, you know, Doc does his, his little trying to figure out a, the stable, stability of my knee. Uh, then once they said I had ACL, I mean, I mean, I just felt terrible. And then that Monday, Bill Cower and I were in the office with the doctor. Doctor's like, hey, it's going to be a four to six month window. And I'm like, four to six months window. We had a pretty good team. I mean, the year before, we lost in the AFC Championship game. So I'm like, ooh, we got a pretty good four months. Wait, 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 September, October, November. Oh, I can make back the playoffs, coach. He was like, what? I'm like, coach, I can make it back to the playoffs. And Bill Coward, probably the only coach in the National Football League at that time that gave me the opportunity. And he let that green, he let me see that light at the end of the tunnel. So I got to be on the active roster the whole year. Uh, we played extremely well. Nobody else got hurt on the defense, and especially in the secondary. And we got we got to the Super Bowl, and I got to play in my first Super Bowl back in 1995 because Bill Cower did not put me on IR. Yeah, I mean that's just unbelievable to maintain an active roster spot throughout the entire season with the anticipation, of, you know, of getting his his great defensive back back on the field for the Super Bowl. I mean that just doesn't happen in this day and age, and it's just unbelievable that you were able to recover as well as you are now these ACLs can you know take eight months to a full year before they're potentially even back on the field so absolutely love that story now do you want to tell you want to say the end of the uh, of the result of the Super Bowl or should we skip that or yeah, we can skip that we can, we can skip that <laughs> let's skip that story so yeah unfortunately you didn't win the Super Bowl against Dallas that that year, but it was truly a remarkable accomplishment on, on your part and, and faith and belief in Coach Cower for sure. So then uh, we got to, that was as exciting for me because we go to 1998, you moved to Baltimore, and I'm a Baltimoran born and bred. Uh, you know, I come from, we joke around, I come from a long line of NFL saxophonists. My father played for the Baltimore Colts marching band in the late 50s. And so uh, awesome. it was really cool. So football was really very important for our family. And we were always season ticket holders. My father would get two seats at Memorial Stadium up in the nosebleed section. He would drag my brother. He would sit on his, on his lap and I'd go with him. And, you know, and then all of a sudden in 1983, the, the Baltimore Colts and the Mayflower van leave to go to Indianapolis and I'm without a team, you know, when I'm up at school in Boston. So <laughs> But then, you know, my family hunkered down and they, you know, they stayed in Baltimore and sure enough, you know, Cleveland Browns moved down to become the Baltimore Ravens. And then uh, 1998, you get the opportunity to play with them. And, and then uh, you get a chance to play in another Super Bowl. It just seems to travel around with you, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know what? I, I got to, you know, you know, be with Marvin Lewis, who started his career in Pittsburgh uh, as a linebacker coach. And Marvin called me and was like, hey, we got a, some really young talent. We just don't know how to win yet. And that was in 98. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm with you, Marv. You're my guy. Uh, and we really came over there, saw the talent with Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden and all the other guys that they had. 
um, each year was kind of a building stone, kind of a, you know, we're just placing the bricks on top of each other. And that third year, it all clicked in. Marvin became arguably the best defensive coordinator in national in the National Football League. He had a great game plan week in and week out. Ray, um, you know, kind of like his breakout year. I mean, even though everybody knew who he was, he was a leading tackler, but he was now making big plays and huge games. And we got to play in another Super Bowl. And, you know, I, I got to, to, ho to hoist the Lombardi trophy because that's what, you know, you want to be the best at what you do. Got a beautiful ring, uh, you know, and the, and the purple and black, um, you know, it was, it was fun to be there. It was fun to be in that city. I mean, if I was drafted by them, I would have lived in Baltimore. That's a, that's a gorgeous area. Right on the water, eating crabs all day long. Pretty nice. Yeah, I got my steam crabs being shipped up today. I'm super excited. Even up here in Boston, twice a year, we ship up our steam crabs yeah, and we sit it. around and pick at them all day long. So, <laughs> and my my family was down at that game to watch your Super Bowl win. So it was great for us to be able to to be a part of it, and really awesome for you to to get that Super Bowl win for sure. And and you know, and then you know, football's a tough game, right? It's a, it's a, it's really brutal physically, and the injuries that are sustained, and the ability. So for you to be able to have played 17 years is is quite remarkable. 2009, first ballot NFL Hall of Fame had to have been, you know, just an amazing moment in your life for that for that accomplishment. Oh, it is. I mean, I'm a country boy from Indiana. Started playing football because my brothers played. And one thing kind of led to another. I kept getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And never really thought about being an NFL player like these kids do nowadays. Um, you know, it just kind of everything worked out the way it should work out, um, you know, and had some great coaches to keep learning from, to keep believing in me. A lot of great people who believed in me to back me from being a stupid kid in Fort Wayne doing stupid things to, you know, raising me as a, a young man in the world, making a, a lot of money to still keep his head focused on family and faith. And uh, so, you know, getting to the Hall of Fame was kind of so surreal. You know, never really thought that you would be one of the 300 and some odd people in this building in Canton, Ohio, that they say that you're one of the best to ever do it. Um, I just played because, like I said, my brothers played. And I got to now say that, I wasn't bad. I wasn't bad. I, I did all right when I played. So have some. I give all my credit to the coaches and, and my family. Family, faith, and humility for Rod Woodson for sure. And so you know, and then it just keeps on going, Rod. I mean, now you know that a couple of years later, just two years ago, when we were together down at the Super Bowl doing some work, which we'll talk about, you get named to to be one of the top NFL players of all time, the top 100 list. I mean, again, just just an amazing. Uh, you know, feet to be able to be on that list for sure. It is. I mean, it's, you know, 100 players, top 100 players to ever play in the National Football League, um, you know, also made the 75th anniversary team, which was probably, to me, more of a shocker because I was only in my seventh year and it was only five active players and I was the youngest active player on, the, on that team. Um, that one kind of got me as a shocker. Um, you know, like, matter of fact, I thought the, I thought the reporters were playing a prank on me. You know, I, when they came, when I came to the locker, they told me, congratulations, you made the 75th anniversary team. I'm like, get the heck out of here. They make no 75th anniversary team. And they're like, no, we're serious. And then when Mr. Rooney walked in the locker room, I'm like, okay, he doesn't lie. I know this guy doesn't lie. So he has to be telling the truth. 
So, you know, having those honors, you know, alongside of the Hall of Fame is pretty amazing. Yeah, no, it, it certainly is. Now, you know, the work that you and I've done together is interesting, too. And, and you know, the assumption is in orthopedics, you know, when you tear your ACL, you screw up your knee, and, and then you're going to wind up potentially getting arthritis down the road. But turns out you got arthritis in the other knee, right? Am I wrong? No, you're right. It's, uh, and, you know, back, so go back to my second year in the league. So in 89, I get a chondral defect in my left knee. And, you know, so having that, I played with probably half the year where the pain was just shooting through my knee. Uh, luckily for me, I found a, a guy who's very well known, uh, Richard Stedman. Um, and he, he did his little procedure on my knee. He picked my knee, uh, the kind of the scar tissue grew back over the knee inside of the capitalized that saw inside of it. I got to play 14 more years, you know, and if I didn't, if we didn't find Richard Stedman, you know, our team doctors for the Steelers at the time was like, I've never seen anything like this. They're going to have to play with it or retire. So that was the start sure. of getting that arthritis in the knee. And then it kind of just wore down over the 14 years. And, you know, the last year, playing with the uh, with the Raiders, um, you know, just kind of, you know, week in and week out, I'm taking shots in my knee so I can even play. And the, the last year, I just couldn't take it after week 10. Once we were like mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, I was like, God, you, you got to put me on IR. I just, I can't do it anymore. And, uh, you know, it's it's been that way ever since. I don't complain about my life. It's been a good life. I don't complain about my knees. Yeah, no, you know, it's interesting because we always search for osteoarthritis knee pain solutions for our patients and, and patients are, you know, when it starts affecting not just your football career, but your activities of daily living, right? You're, you're now having pain with stairs, walking, you can't do sports, tennis, the other things that you want to do once you're in your retirement life. And so, hey, Rod, you know, you just have had just a spectacular career, you know, we you just, it's such a pleasure. You're so humble. Uh, yet you, you've had just such an amazing influence. What, what, do you, what are you doing now? Where, where can we find you? Where, where are, you, are you on the sidelines? You're coaching. We're going to see you on TV. What's your latest gig right now? You know, I just got offered um, the preseason games for the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm going to do the preseason games for the Ravens, uh, which is kind of neat. Um, and then I still work for Westwood One. I call them national radio broadcast games. So those Thursday night, Sunday night games. If you're on Sirius in your car, I'm going to be one of those voices. So I, got, I still get to do that. I mean, my love is being on the field, the grassroots part of football, uh, coaching, uh, giving back to the kids and uh, players that uh, uh, from the, you know, all the stuff that was given to me. So I, I have my own foundation, Hope Through Football. We just came back from Mexico, um, talking about doing some clinics down there. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun moving forward, but you know, if I can get back into coaching, I probably would. Um, that's my love. That's my passion, but you know, God open the doors. He wants me to walk through. So as he opens those doors, I'll get to have those opportunities. Yeah. Rob, we can't thank you enough. This was such a great pivot for our listeners to be able to get out of just the standard orthopedic stuff that we talk about. You've had a great story, great life. It's really been a pleasure having you on the show. Doc, I, I appreciate you, man. Love your hair keep following you on the fro. So <laughs> take care of yourself and thanks for having me on. Will do. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time. <laughs>